Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Buck wrapped his glistening biceps around his busty alien queen. He had lost his planet, but found his home. Hmm. Not bad. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 97 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight. Also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are just three issues away from our 100th issue and I still don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> I don't either. I've been reaching out to a lot of people. Uh, I have too. Um, yeah, my I, my I, quest I, to get Kevin on Twitter kind of fell by the wayside. And um, luckily there were people still tweeting at him after I stopped and life just got in the way. So I'm, I'm going to continue with it, but I'm going to try and go through the proper channels to see if I can get him. But I've got some other irons in the fire, as I know you do as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I can say, unfortunately, right now, the responses are not uh, a lot of – I got a response from one or two people. I'm not going to say who. Uh, but unfortunately that they uh, are in the middle of projects or whatnot and don't have available time. Yeah, so. I, I haven't heard back from – I sent emails to all the reps at CW, and I haven't even heard back, so I'm going to have to reply to them again and kind of stick on them a little bit. It's it's not like a rep to not reply, especially one for a television station, so uh, for a network. So I, I don't know if maybe something happened, there was a glitch in the Matrix, I don't know, but – um, I'm going to keep on them. I, I want to get at least something for our 100th. So we're going to keep working and we'll see. Um, like I said, I have one guarantee that we could get, but we don't talk about his show anymore. So I don't know how great. I mean, he's an awesome guy to talk to, but we wouldn't really be able to talk to him about the show because we don't really talk about Gotham anymore. We're talking about Drew 
uh, my yeah. buddy Drew Powell, yeah. um, who plays Butch Gilzean, a.k.a. Solomon Grundy, on Gotham. Uh, I, I could get him in a heartbeat, but again, we don't talk about Gotham, so I don't really... I don't know what we would have to talk about with him mm-hmm. if we had him on. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's still <laughs> one of those ones that I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're still figuring it out, though. Like I said, yep. irons in the fire. We will do something. It may, if even if it doesn't end up being on the hundredth, we will make sure we will find a way to celebrate properly. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Even if it's like uh, the hundred and one, uh, the hundred and first issue or whatever. Um, We'll try and get something to you guys to kind of celebrate this a little bit. Um, I want to bring something up. We we don't have <clears> – <throat> we only have Legends of Tomorrow to talk about this week, and we're going to talk about the latest uh, chapter in the Batman – the Telltale Batman Enemy Within, which we both had the opportunity to play. But I want to – I want to bring something up, and I want to get your opinion on this. We didn't. I didn't even bring this up to you when we were prepping mm-hmm. for this. Um, I have Plex on my computer, and it's – it, you know, you you use it. It's how we watch a lot of the shows and a lot of the movies and things like that. And if you're not familiar <clears throat> with Plex, it's basically any movie that I have on my computer. It's a a shared server so that anybody else can watch it if I give them access to it. And on it, we can create playlists. <clears throat> Excuse me. So last night, I created a playlist, and I just called it Comic Book. And it's every comic book film that I have in my collection. There are I didn't realize how many I had until I went through my entire movie collection. There are 91 movies oh my on God. this playlist and it's everything from all of the Spider-Man movies, Amazing Spider-Man, Regular Spider-Man, the new one Homecoming. The Batman movies are ridiculous. There's uh-huh. Batman 66, all four of the um the original from with the Keaton and Clooney and Val Kilmer, Mask of the Phantasm, Killing Joke, you know, all the animated ones, the Blade movies, the Avengers, all the Marvel Universe, everything. <clears throat> and I did this so that I could play it on Shuffle. And there's a movie that came up on Shuffle in the beginning of this that I was watching last night. And I feel, I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but watching this movie for the first time in a while. I feel it's kind of really underrated, even though I know critically it wasn't reviewed that well. And it's 2005's Constantine with oh, yeah. Keanu I, Reeves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually watched that not that long ago because when Paul Williams was on, uh, me and him actually re- reviewed that on the show, uh, which was – I forgot how much fun that movie was. It, I really it, did. It really is a lot of fun. I mean with I think Keanu does a great job of portraying the character. Um, Rachel Weisz in the movie I think is great as well. Even – and as much as I don't really like him, even Shia as Chaz – Mm-hmm. I thought was was really well. And I didn't realize it either because I was letting it play through to get to the next film, which happened to be Killing Joke. Um, there's a there's a cutscene at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've stuck around long enough to watch it. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it is because it's been – even going back that, that far, like month-wise, I don't remember exactly it's, what it was. It's um, Constantine going to Chaz's grave. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he comes up as an angel. I think, and right? he and it turns out – I re- I looked into it on Wikipedia. It tur- The whole premise behind it is that Chaz was an angel the whole time. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a human. He was an angel. But he mm-hmm. was there to help Constantine. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I, I, that was new to me because I had never seen that before. 
<laughs> but yeah, I wanted, I just wanted to get your quick opinion on that because I watched it and as I was watching it and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this movie's really underrated. Yeah, um, I can't remember the episode number for DC uh, when we did this, but yeah, go skim back to when we did um, Swamp Thing in that because uh, yeah, it was that was such a really fun in depth conversation on that, and we, me and Paul went through uh, a lot of the discussion about you know Keanu's you know version of the character and Matt Ryan's and kind of talked about things in many different ways um, on what some things that could have made that movie even a little bit better than it was. Uh, but the things that we really thoroughly enjoyed and man, we were saying it would be amazing if that movie could be remade today with Matt Ryan in that premise and just how just <laughs> enthralling that could be. Yeah, so. that would be that'd be pretty awesome. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, but yeah, but it's it's so funny. I'm looking at like I have everything on this playlist from the DC and Marvel movies to uh, Dick Tracy, Green Hornet, uh, Judge Dredd. Dread, the Hellboy movies, um, Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, The Losers, which is a, another underrated movie, uh, Men in Black, which mm-hmm. was, you know, a comic book, Mystery Men, uh, The Rocketeer. Sin- oh, I love that movie. <laughs> so do I. Uh, Sin City, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Like, I didn't realize until I was going through how many actual comic book movie films there are. I'll have to skim it and see if there's anything missing from your collection. Well, I don't know if you can access my playlist because the playlist is one I set up on my account. Um, If you make it a folder, yeah. If I make it a folder, which I might do because I know there are other people that are attached to my Plex that watch movies like this. So I might might end up making it a folder just so other people can access (laughs) it. Well, it's kind of funny. As you mentioned that you've been watching some interesting things, I figured I'd bring up what I've been watching just for for, uh, shits and giggles. But I, in the middle of the night, a couple nights ago, couldn't sleep. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy season one of Teen Titans Go because I want to watch it now. <laughs> I was just in the mood. And I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to buy season one because there's a high chance down the road um, there might be a, a, another opportunity to watch it elsewhere. But, man, that show just makes me laugh. I love that show way too much. This is the version um, of the show that they're doing the movie off of, right? Absolutely. Because okay. I was not as familiar with with Teen Titans Go versus um, just the old Teen Titans that they did that these character designs are based off of. Um, grand and same voice act voice uh, voice acting work as well. So I mean, the original Teen Titans was such a fun show, and I maybe am now through the end of season three uh, of that again for probably the third or fourth time. Um, and I forgot how wonderful Ron Perlman is as Deathstroke in that show, and how just truly amazing they did with his character uh, for Slade. Um, but going to Teen Titans Go, it is like a completely different world. And it's so beyond ridiculous between <laughs> occasionally reusing bits from the original show and when they have redubbed them, which has been just absolutely amazing and making some characters dumber than they were originally, which was just <laughs> amazing. I absolutely love and adore everything they've done in the show. Um, but I it, I now after watching I've, I've maybe only watched about 10 or 15 episodes so far out of the first season, like on Amazon, it's like 30 bucks. But it's fifty episodes in season one, so well worth it. So I will, have yeah, to, I will have to check that out. I know it, uh, it is wonderful. I've been pushing through. It's not DC related, but I've been pushing through. I fell into a Futurama hole. Um, I've I've been I've been watching a bunch of Futurama. I, I'm I'm literally have one episode left of season five, and then I think I have like two seasons left plus the uh, the movies that came. Oh out. no, there there are ten seasons of that show, sir. Not that I found. 
And IMDb um, only has listed seven. Uh, it was seven, but then there's also the movies. Well, that's um, what I said. That I have the two seasons left plus the films. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah IMDb right. only has it listed as seven seasons. It, it, it's Maybe it 10. is. I, oh, that's right. I think it came. It was originally four seasons, then it came back for uh, an additional, I think, four, and then the movies were part of that. Yeah. So because so, um, there's the four hour and a half long films, which are basically essentially one cohesive story, but they kind of still feel like three separate episodes that all tie together. So. Yeah, so I have the I have the I have everything. I have the the seven seasons. I have the films. So I'm gonna look to see because I think the films fall in between, or were they after the seasons? Um, so after the series ends originally, which is the Devil's Hands are idle playthings, and that's uh, the which, and that's the next episode I have, which is still one of my favorite episodes of that show. Okay, uh, that's the that's only where... episode I have left in season five. Where Fry makes the deal with the robot devil and gets the robot devil's hands, uh, which is just such a great episode. Uh, but there's that's the uh, infamous opera episode, which I love, love, love so much. I, out of every animated series that exists, Futurama is probably my number two uh, with Batman the Animated Series right above that. So, But that show just constantly just makes me just beyond happy. That is when I have a bad day, Futurama is what I do. That's so. And that's what I've been watching, too. So I guess – and then, yeah, there are four films um, – uh, Into the Wild Green Yonder, The Beast and the Billion Backs, Bender's Game, and Bender's Big Score. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and they look um, like they're all 2008 and 2009. So I have to figure out – I got to look online and figure out the order of uh, where they I can, fit. I can tell you exactly what it is. So it is um, – it starts off with ben, Bender's Big Score. Then it, it's Bender's Game um, – or sorry, no, The Beast with the Billion Backs – Bender's game and then into the wild green yonder Um, because into the wild green yonder rolls right into the end of that with how the series kicks back off. Okay, so after I watch this last episode of season five, watch the films Mm -hmm. and then proceed with the last two seasons. Yes. Got it. Okay, that Mm -hmm. that's all I needed. Uh, But the reason why I brought this up is because I have made this. This is officially the plan. I am sticking to this when I am done with Futurama, Young Justice. Good, good. It is time, sir. Yes. You're, you're, there's not there's not much time. Uh, it sounds like, again, we're getting it before year's end is out. So, uh, And Young Justice is one of those things I guarantee you're going to watch season one, immediately start season two, and then go back and watch season one, and then season two again. <laughs> um, it I is... mean, I, I remember watching the first episode of it and enjoying it. I just never went with it. <laughs> continued with it so uh yeah so that's the plan as i have to, as i'm going to finish futurama and then young justice is next on the docket mm-hmm. so out yeah. of all of the shows that i have to watch um because i still have uh, uh i have to finish mystery science theater and black mirror is another one everybody's telling me to get into so but before i do anything else the first thing i'm watching while i'm editing this podcast is i don't know if you were a fan i know we're getting off topic but um, <laughs> it's okay netflix uh brought back joel McHale. i and, started and the joel watching show. there's episode only two is today yeah uh, episode two is today so yes yeah, so i gotta watch episode one was great oh yeah it's it, it's just it's it's talk soup it's talk again. soup with cursing and no commercials yeah and uh <laughs> there's a that wonderful wonderful moment in that episode where he does the tour of the netflix building <laughs> yes uh, which great. involves him meeting up with jim rash and uh, jeffrey and, uh, yeah and um paul riser and uh, oh yeah but you're yeah, allison free and, <laughs> and jim rash was was great too yeah uh but yeah that show i love joel McHale, so i was i'm so glad that he's back doing that 
and and I, I you know what I, I will I will say my final one here too just because we're we're we're, we're already so far off topic it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those of you that are Star Wars fans, I really hope you're watching Rebels because um, we are now into the home stretch. And uh, the last couple episodes, well, the first two episodes of the final stretch just started last week. And man, they uh, they they actually had me in tears. Um, it was it was intense. Uh, but that show is probably, I think, one of the best Star Wars things ever done, hands down. And I, I'm so just... I'm terrified for where things are going to go, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it, it's been a, such an amazing journey. So if you guys are Star Wars Rebels fans or you haven't given that sh- uh, show a shot and you are Star Wars fans, I would recommend get to that as fast as you can. How many seasons have there been of that it's so only, far? It's only four seasons. Okay, so that's pretty easy to get caught up on. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have to make some additions to the Plex account. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on track. Yeah, let's let's, let's get to talking it. again. We only have one episode to talk about this week, and that's the la- latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow. And, of course, we're going to probably spend a minute or two on the latest chapter of Telltale Batman's and uh, The Enemy Within. Uh, but let's start first. Let's just do the rankings and go right into the breakdown since we don't have to backtrack at all. Um Give our three-point ranking, and then we'll just go right into the, the topic of conversation. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 11, titled Here I Go Again. Zari finds her place on the team when she gets caught in a time loop that results in the Wave Rider blowing up over and over again. So starting first with um, uh, IMDB ranking gave this a 9.2. IGN gave this a 7.8. What do we give this uh, on our sidekick hero or legend? Uh, legend without a shadow of a doubt. I'm right there with you. Legend for me as well. And uh, as far as IGN and IMDb rankings go, I'm closer, so much closer to IMDb. Uh, I mentioned this to you during prep. This episode, hands down, is easily in my top three favorite episodes of this show so far. Uh, If not, probably my favorite episode. I absolutely love this episode. I want to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I I know sometimes like the Groundhog Day style episodes like this was um, can be very hit or miss. Sometimes they can be absolutely wonderful, but they did it so well here Um, and in such a fun and different kind of way. Normally, a lot of times within within in that style premise and plot, uh, you see the same situations play out over and over and over. And it starts with that. But then you just see that devolve in such a fun way. That's not normal. And I think it, it it just became incredibly special and unique, uh, especially when you got to see Zari, who's a character we haven't really connected with at all yet, as the lead focal point of this. And this was such a great way to find out who she was as a character and watch her bond individually, for the most part, with each character. Or we found out a little slice about each character that we didn't maybe know already. Um Obviously, Nate and Amaya, uh, everybody knows that they've been doing that on again, off again. Uh, we all know where Sarah is right now with uh, Evelyn. With or not, Is it Evelyn Sharp? Ava. Ava Sharp. Ava. Yep. That's like, so with Ava Sharp. Uh, so that's been fun watching that continue to build up. Uh, but I really loved the Zari and Nate connection in this episode. That was really enjoyable to watch them play off of each other. Uh, Nick Zano is, I think probably the most underrated person on the show. Like he's kind of always feels like he plays a bit more second fiddle, 
but man, uh, when they give him a chance to shine, he is just such a great counterpoint to when there's a, a focus with any of these characters. When he's kind of side by side, it feels like everybody's performance elevates that much more. Yeah, I really, really love him in the show, and he really made Zari shine, as did Brandon Routh. So, really enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, and it, you mentioned it a little bit, too, getting a slice of everybody. It, one of the things I found brilliant about this episode is, like you said, the Groundhog Day thing has been done before. It's been done time and time again by multiple other shows. But when you have a show that has a shortened season, like Legends of Tomorrow, what a way to progress the story forward that much quicker. I mean, you out of this one episode, we got, and it's just because of the loops of everything going on. We find out that you know, mix mix becoming a writer. Um, <laughs> you know, we got best, pro- best angle of that. Entire I, I, I loved it so much. I would really love to get Dominic Purcell on this show if we could, uh, or Nick Zano, one of the two of them, as you mentioned. Um, but, you know, we get progression of the continuing Sarah and Ava storyline, as you had mentioned. We get continuing of the Nate and Amaya storyline. We find out, we get progression of the Ray and Sarah storyline about, you know, Ray being told by Constantine to kill Sarah. Uh, we got so much progression of all of the separate storylines that were going on in one episode because of this continuous time loop. So with a show that has a shortened season like Legends, this was a brilliant way to progress the storyline a couple episodes compacted into one episode. And it worked and it didn't feel ham-fisted, which was the no. best part about it. it, it, and it, it oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, and one of the things I really was very happy about was because at first I was like, why is Ray being so off? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I was like, I completely almost mentally forgot about that. But I love that it wasn't held as a secret to be drug out through the season. It was we brought it up last week. It was quiet. And then, boom, here it is. And Sarah was kind of like, yep, I absolutely agree with that. Moving on. And it was perfect. Uh, you believe these characters function so well as this team because they really do they gel that well it doesn't feel like you know a show and this is not a knock at the show because i think it's one of the things that makes it special but supernatural like where it's that back and forth argumentative style between you know sam and dean um in this show i like that they don't waste their time with petty squabbles between the team too much yeah. uh they really look forward to making sure these characters are fun they're light and they're even light in cases of horrible situations that they're about to face. Um, they're a very cohesive group that prove that they work well together. Um, but I will say one thing that was weird about this episode is, it, man, that ship is feeling so empty right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really does. Um, I, especially because – and for a minute there, I was almost convinced it was going to be emptier. Um, yeah, because really there was too. There was that moment, you know, where Zari is ready to sacrifice herself for the sake of the ship, for the sake of you know feeling connected to everybody through these constant time loops. And there was a moment where, when this was happening, I was honest to honest to goodness getting choked up a little bit because in one episode I felt a connection to the character of Zari that I hadn't felt yet since she's boarded that ship. Um, and we got it, just everything. It's another reason why this episode is one of my favorite episodes of the show. And, uh, uh, you know, that they've aired of the show so far is because 
I felt that you were they were able to build that connection in a matter of 42 minutes, not even 42 minutes, maybe like 30 minutes because uh, there was still more to the story to go. And I was honestly worried they were writing her off the show. Yeah. Um, I was so happy when it didn't come to that. Um, but you're right. The ship does feel empty. That's definitely going to change come next week. Yeah, uh, we we know that much as well. I mean, you know, we can jump ahead to the end, but there's some other things we can backtrack a little bit about. But, like, we kind of really talked about all the major points, uh, with the exception of the fact that the cause of this whole whole mix-up mix with everything and this Groundhog's Day scene, which was, you know, Zari's whole idea of trying to find a way to kind of hack uh, time. It was it was her thought process and idea behind all of this was to be able to run a protocol where she could find where there are loopholes still like Helen of Troy, like we saw earlier in the season, which makes her character really interesting is the fact that she's finding, well, we can make things slightly better without really impacting anything. And this makes for a really interesting idea now, because even Sarah states at the very end of the episode, well, the future's technically not written. Uh, it only is for one person on this ship. Thank That's you, it. Doc Brown. Yeah, uh, and it's it's uh, this Back to the Future vibe of what the show has been and has based its rules upon um, really works in this context where they're allowed to explore that idea and that mindset. Like, you know those writers watched Back to the Future inside and out every time you watch the show because they lean back at those, those things. But I also think it's one of the best ways I've seen time travel kind of handled, uh, especially in pop culture. Yeah. And... The fact that they're playing with those rules and saying, no, we can change this. And even Sarah agrees. So we now have the motivations for Zari that have kind of been lacking somewhat, somewhat, with the exception that she was a totem bearer. Now we know why she's part of this team, why she's going to stay around, why she's going to be a cohesive member of the Legends going forward. Um, and this builds to something very interesting where maybe next season we're going to really be looking at 2042 and the future that exists at that point in time. So yeah. um, I think this is going to be a really fun angle to kind of lead to. But now that they have this ability to kind of look for these, you know, loopholes, um, how is that going to impact the rest of the season? And I think that was a really fun way to bring that concept into play and also a really great way to bring back the actress who plays Gideon. <laughs> so um, really kind of fun and enjoyable to be able to see her back in the mix again realizing that this was not an actual Groundhog's Day kind of situation, but this was a simulation running. So, Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of great connections that came out of this, too. I mean, obviously, we see that nice little moment at the end with, uh, you know, with Zari and Sarah, where Zari's telling her, you know, you need to pursue this with Ava. Don't waste any time. Even everything that she says to the group when she's ready to sacrifice herself um, is really, really heartfelt. Um you know, it's one of the things that made that scene so emotional for me. You know, when, you know, she says to Sarah, you're a pain in the ass, but it's because you have to be. Mm. Um, you know, everything that goes through it and going back to those time loops and jumping back to the beginning or not the time loops, but um, uh, the, the loopholes in time. Going back to the beginning of the episode, we had mentioned last week how we thought we could see um, Amaya being one of the people to leave at the end of the season and go back to her time. Nate's sticking around for a little while longer. But we could see a future with Zari. 
with the with the ship. The beginning of the episode made me kind of question that a little bit because it seemed like she didn't want to be there. Um, she was only there for a limited amount of time. Uh, but now with everything that happened through the progression of this episode, I think we're absolutely right. I think we could see a longer future with Zari and the Wave Rider. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I really want to bring up, though, too, from this episode before we get to kind of the, the wrap up point of this was I really thought it was a brilliant idea where they just had the light flashes where the scene continued. It's kind of like, yeah. especially I, you saw it primarily when they broke into Mick's room <laughs> when we find uh, the typewriter and all. But it was, you know, Nate stepping in the bear trap and then there was the light <laughs> Which flash was and then it was disabling the bear trap. But it was I love that it seemed like a cohesive scene that actually we were looking at happening four to five times and that was such a great way to do this because it didn't slow the episode down you didn't have to go back to a restart point it just kept moving and that was such a fun way to do a groundhog's day i really really loved that idea it was so much fun to check that out um but i really i gotta say if there was a reason for the explosion that was not the one that they showed us i kind of almost wished two things one it was because of Mick doing laundry <laughs> or <laughs> the bomb being inside of a Bebo. <laughs> so yeah. that's the only thing I think that could have made this better. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mick doing laundry would have been the best one. Yeah. <laughs> but if they could have brought a Bebo back, that would have worked well. Uh, but I love the fact that they brought Gary back from the, from the first episode um, as, uh, as, as the person that's warning the crew uh, in the legends and it was such a fun way to bring it back and i even loved you know gideon's responses well why was gary there he's like she's like i thought it was funny yeah and that was just the only reason for everything which was just wonderful i, I love that gideon has such a great sense of humor and they have an opportunity to be able to bring her in every once in a blue moon um you know we saw that wonderful sequence with her and with hunter i think was that last season i want to say uh yeah i think yeah that was last season i think that was last season yeah that was last season when the legends got scattered yes um or maybe that was this uh i can't remember anymore they tend to blend together they really do because it, it just feels like a cohesive story from start to finish yeah um yeah which is the one thing i really adore about this show it is that slice of life single comic book issue that builds to something special um and they they succeed in, on the levels that i as much as I love every other show in in the Arrowverse or now Black Lightning as well, there's something very special about the show, and I really hope it never goes anywhere. So yeah, um, my final things to talk about before we we get to the very end moment, we we start to wrap things up too. I love the and they kind of there's two things and they kind of tie into one another. Um, we see those moments where you know where Nate tells Amaya, not Amaya, um, Nate tells Zari, you know, well, have you? tried to loosen up a little bit and have a little fun and we see this montage of all this stuff that she's doing from putting on you know captain Steele's uh costume to shooting mix uh you know fire blaster uh i think my favorite out of all of them though is the moment when mick and ray are doing laundry and oh, squabbling God. with each other and amaya or zari is standing in the back with the cue cards of everything that they're saying and just letting the cue cards drop to everything that they say oh, it was so good and if, then ship explodes and ship explodes <laughs> so. if i could have used that as the line of the week a visual line of the week that would have been it because that particular 30 seconds had me laughing so much 
I know. Uh, but I can tell you, I know what my line of the week would be. And you guys probably are going to hear it at the beginning of this. Because I think <laughs> when I bring it up, you're going to agree. It is Mick closing out his book. Yes. Um, is, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the breakout line from this week. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I agree with you completely on that. Um, but tying into that whole fun thing, uh, you know, one of the things that we see her do is we see her take it upon herself to learn how to play the Stradivarius. Mm-hmm. And I thought that led to a really beautiful ending of this episode where she goes back in and she picks up the Stradivarius, knowing now that it wasn't a true Groundhog Day. It was all in her head um, or it was all within Gideon. You know, she picks it up and she says, I wonder, and she starts to play and she knows she remembers how to play beautifully. And it becomes the background music of seeing everybody else on the wave rider kind of going into what came about of Zari being caught in this loop. And I thought it was that one thing that came from all those fun moments really led to a really beautiful ending of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to that stinger. Yeah, Um, which uh, kind of leads me into something I made a prediction of last week, and I think uh, images of next week's episode kind of showed that I I might have been right uh, in that we're not just going to see one empty seat filled on the Wave Rider, we're going to see two, and that's going to be because we're going to see the return of Rip back to the Wave Rider. Uh, yeah. we, uh, we, we get this with Wally West. Yes. So we get the stinger that Rip has gone to Wally for help. Wally, who is looks like at a Japanese sanctuary garden, uh, trying to work on his Zen. And it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to go from that point back onto the Wave Rider. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to see wally with the legends this this week or is it's going to be another week or two no it's uh, images there's there's some pre-production images that we see wally actually strapped into the wave rider oh that's awesome i am so ready for that moment so yep. uh, and uh something interesting too it's uh kind of a news story as well but uh, i'll just cut it out of that but we did find out that we will be also seeing um Jesse Quick uh, make an appearance in Legends still this season. So. Yeah, I'm wondering when that's going to be because there's not – I think we have, what, 17 episodes this season? I could be I'm, off. I believe that's correct. On that. I mean, and we're up to you know episode 11, so we still have a couple more episodes. I'm looking through a little bit to see if maybe we're going to see that anytime soon. And I'm up to episode 15. Uh, episode 15 – oh, yeah, same episode as The Return of John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Episode 15, and then I think 16 is the finale. So we have Oh, 16- that's right. Yeah, 16 yeah. episodes this year. Yeah. So she's going to be joining the penultimate episode along with the return of John Constantine. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a pretty stacked episode. That's going to be kind of cool. I was going to say, uh, pardon my language, but a shit ton of fun. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and if they continue along the path for the rest of the season as this episode has been, man, I can't wait to see how this episode, how this season is going to wrap. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really just looking forward to it, and I especially when we see John Noble, um, kind of as Malice for the first time. I, I'm sure that's coming before we know it. Yeah, or I mean, he actually may just be a voice. Either or, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this is this is going. We haven't seen Grodd yet, which is interesting. Or uh, well, into the mix now because we did see him weeks back, uh, getting brought into the mix and the fold by Damien. So, oh, I have a feeling that's probably going to come about probably by like that penultimate episode as well i have a feeling uh, I, man this is going to be a fun 
fun year's end. I'm absolutely looking forward to it. So we're, I mean, we're only two episodes back with this show, and or two episodes in with this show having come back, and they've both been strong. So mm-hmm. I really, I, I'm really looking forward to where the rest of the season is going to go, leading up to the end. Um, and All I'm right. right. Well, what do we have to What do we have to look forward to for next week? Uh, next week we have the curse of the Earth Totem. While Sarah takes some private time, the legends follow a lead on the whereabouts of the Earth Totem and find themselves in 1717 on the hunt for Blackbeard's treasure. Uh, so yes. We're gonna get We're gonna get a pirate <laughs> episode, and we're also gonna get Wally. Um, and I don't see Rip listed in the credits. So maybe we're not going to get Rip. No, we have to because I remember in some of the production stills that I saw, we actually see Rip standing next to Wally. So maybe it's just a glitch on IMDb's sake that they don't have him listed in the credits. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for the show. And, man, that was a good one to have the only one to talk about this week because we were able to focus more time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but – Last night, I got the opportunity finally to play the latest chapter in the Telltale Batman uh, Enemy Within. I know you played it a little while back, and you kind of refreshed yourself uh, with it a little bit, too, by reading uh, the walkthrough. Uh, But another fun chapter. Yeah, uh, this continues to just be such a different take on the Batman mythos. And I I really, really want to just consistently keep praising Telltale for making this fun and unexpected and not knowing what's coming next. Like nobody is safe. And I enjoy that so much, um, man. Yeah. I, well, I know you and me both went into the start of this episode differently. So you actually gave Catwoman up, correct? Yes, I did. I, I put Catwoman in that little, in that booth. Uh, yeah. The cryo chamber. Uh, yes. now can you tell me a little bit about how that started for you? Because I went the opposite direction. Who did you put in Bruce? Oh, you put so, yourself in there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I gave myself up. So that is the route that I went. So I don't know how your chapter started because apparently it's a little bit different. My chapter actually ends up with Bruce walking out of um, out of the building, looking back on Catwoman, kind of with her hand up, reaching out for help. Um, and it proceeds to go into um, – they go into the, the facility where the Lotus virus is. Uh, and okay. you actually have Bruce helping them to uh, get the virus, uh, you know, break in, get the virus, and Bruce, uh, with uh, Waller in his ear, actually destroy the virus while they're in there, which turns pretty much sets everybody on their own different path. Um, John ends up, you know, John Doe ends up sticking around with Bruce to help him out a little bit. Uh, he's torn because of Harley going off on her own. Because Harley's the only one that has the virus at this point. So I'm wondering if at some point my story and your story still kind of catch up to one another. Um, I, more than likely, I know the, the the moment of where. But for me, my story started with Bruce inside the chamber and having to find a way to break out of the cryo chamber before freezing. Um, which meant, uh, meant he had to hack into that EMP device that was in uh, you know, the villain's hideout. Uh, from doing that remotely. So that was kind of interesting. And then afterwards, having to sneak into the spa where the actual uh, agencies, well, the sanctuary, sorry, yeah. I think it was where sanctuary was located. So by the time I got there, there was corpses littered everywhere. And you had to search through rubble to find a key card to get into the facility. So, which was kind of interesting. Uh, it was a little bit more involved, which then resulted into a large scale fight. And uh, helping destroy 
the chamber um, with Waller in your ear. So I think that's how they connect. Okay. So yeah. So did you have the whole issue with um, with Freeze? Yeah. And so having you the, had to, okay. Have to make that decision of what to do with Freeze if you were going to help him out. Uh, obviously, the interesting part about this is this um, formula that they're trying to find is meant to be able to cure all the ailments of all these people. So Freeze needs it to cure his condition and his wife's condition. Um, you know, Bane is going to use it to try to stop using Venom. Uh, you know, cure his addiction. Uh, cure his, his addiction, and you see Harley wants to do it to kind of not be crazy, and yeah. they ultimately find out that this will actually enhance their mental deterioration where it will make them even more insane. So really kind of a very interesting vibe on how all this is going to work out, but it's it's been really super unique. So that was uh, a big part. Now, what did you choose to do with Freeze? Uh, <clears throat> I chose to do with Freeze what it looked like about 93% of everybody else decided to do <laughs> with Freeze, and I lowered the temperature. I did too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I lowered the temperature. It's funny because going back, you know how at the end when they show the rankings of what people have done, um, for the most part, they've been pretty um, uh, pretty related to one another, meaning they've been pretty equal sides. It might be, you know, 57% to 43% or whatever. But the first two, there was only three in this episode um, where I think usually there's like four or five. Um, and the first two were well on the other side of the scale. It was like, you know, like 92% to, to 8 or 90, you know, 3% to to um yeah, to 7. So, I mean, the first two were totally tipped on the scale where it looked like that's what almost everybody was doing. One of them was freeze. Um the other one the next one was trusting John to go off on his own. Mm-hmm. which I did, which was another huge, like, 90% to 10% one. And then the third one, I can't remember what the third one was, but it was it was back to being within, like, a 10 to 15% difference. Yeah. But playing this game, you know, into the fourth chapter, I had never seen any of those things be that tipped on a scale. Yeah, I, and I think it's now because everybody is getting so set in what their game is, and a lot of us are all kind of like, I don't want to see John go. I, I really love his connection with Bruce, um, insane or not. And it's kind of like I think it's players are trying to find a way to redeem the Joker from become, becoming yeah. the Joker, and it's just not possible. Um, but it's been fun knowing and seeing those statistics show that everybody's feeling the same way. Uh, and it's like, is there a way to change that character's fate? And it, it's been really fun to watch. Um, I will say I do know that the ending sequence can be a little bit different. Now, when it gets to the confrontation on the bridge, um, we do see there are multiple options. Now, when you went to the bridge to try to stop John uh, and try, well, actually try to stop Harley and John goes in for the discussion. Did you do that sequence as Batman or did you do that as Bruce? No, I did it as Bruce. I did too. Now, what happened with John? Did he <clears throat> dive off the bridge or did he create a nice large explosion? No, he does the nesty plunge off the bridge. Ah, so for me, he blew up every vehicle on the bridge. Oh, no, he, he does that. He, he did do that. Ah, but okay. then at the end of it, he takes the plunge off the bridge. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, no, Apparently. he does. He's, he, hits the, he hits the button. And it's very akin to um, Heath Ledger Joker where he pushes the button and he's like, what's wrong with this thing? And pushes it again. And then everything goes off. 
Yeah. Um, so it's very akin to Heath Ledger Joker from Dark Knight. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I did too. He he pushes the button, all the vehicles are set off, and then he takes the plunge off the bridge. Yeah, I mean, and I think one of the most interesting and most intense scenes in this, though, too, is when you get to the alternate hideout for Harley's. Uh, and you find uh, John there and you see all the agency members killed. And it's that back and forth between John and Bruce at that point in time where he, you know, John actively is just kind of like, this is what you've been doing to me. You've been using me. I also know you're Batman. It was all that stuff playing out. And I'm like, man, this is just intense. And yeah. trying to defuse that situation and that pseudo friendship and a friendship I'm feeling that I created for those characters. I was like, no, no, no. This is a real friendship. Uh, and trying to do what I could with what the game game gave me, and still feeling that I walked away diffusing that. Now, did it you was, lie? Did you lie to him, or did you admit to him that you were playing him? Um, I admitted that I was playing him. Okay, and, so did I. And but ultimately, I did say, but the reasons were is because there is a friendship and a connection. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much so, what I did too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's again, I mean, this this game has been so much fun to play. I think this episode was a little shorter, too. I think it was maybe only like an hour. Yeah, it definitely felt shorter in the grand scheme of things. I, I feel that mine may have been a little bit longer because of the situation I chose. And I had that alternate sequence in the beginning uh, that started my game off. Um, now having to break out of the cryo facility, breaking into the spa and into sanctuary and all that stuff. So it was very interesting kind of going through the motions of that all. So now when you, when in yours, because of the way you're started, when you returned back to Harley Quinn's hideout and you saw the cryo chamber, what, what played out with you? Cause when I returned, I had left with Catwoman in there. Um, and when I had returned, Catwoman had actually found a way to escape. So the, the chamber was open, uh, and the agent that you're with says, do you think we're going to run into her? And he says, no. Bruce says, no, she's a runner. We're probably not going to see her again for a while. Um, um, that was not part of mine. That's what I figured. Cause I, oh, yeah. so you didn't even get anything yeah. on that. Okay. Uh, Catwoman, I think, I, I can't try, I'm trying to remember all of the Catwoman angle of it. I will actually have to go back and re- re-review what happened with Catwoman completely. Well, I was chapter. I was more questioning for the cryo chamber. I didn't... I, w- I wasn't concerned with, with the Catwoman part. I wanted to see mm-hmm. if maybe he had like a reflective moment when he returned sees the cryo chamber. Does he say anything to the agent about having to escape it or or anything? Uh, I think Bruce does mention that he had to break out of it. Okay, that's what, that's what I was curious about. Because like mm-hmm. I said, we, I get the moment of Catwoman having broken out. So I figured if you were the one that was in it, he probably had mentioned that he was the one that had to break out of it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, one more chapter left in this story. Uh, um, then, it sounds it like it's up. coming out, coming out in March, uh, has been confirmed. So good. Cause I'm, um, I'm anxious to see how everything is going to play out and really hoping that they do another season. Yeah. I really hope that this is not the final season of Batman telltale. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So now that we've talked about that, let's. Uh, I know there's a bit of news that we need to discuss, so I will turn it over to you for the news. 
Yeah. Um, so let's start in the film universe real quick. Uh, there's only a couple stories, but there's one of these stories definitely snowballs a little bit. So um, as far as Henry Cavill's future in the DCEU, it sounds like he is looking to extend his contract to continue playing Superman. There's also a lot of rumors right now as well stating that he is definitely going to be making an appearance in Shazam. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. That has not been confirmed and still take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but there sounds like a very high chance that actually will indeed be happening. And I think it's something that definitely needs to happen. So, uh, but yes, so it sounds like everything is uh, in motion for him to continue uh, his time, especially now that we finally have a real Superman in the DCEU. This is the way to do it. Yeah. The way, the way the Superman returned in justice league, I'm, I'm, I'm now okay with him continuing the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lego Batman director Chris McKay uh, had this to finally say one night. We can said, look, guys, I know there's been a lot of things coming up with the slate and a lot of times people are not seeing Nightwing on the list. And he says, you know, while the project may be a year or two down the line, he did promise absolutely this. Um, he is 100 percent confirmed to be committed to the project regardless he said he will not walk away from this unless something dramatically drastic happens but he says he wants to do this project more than anything else that has ever been offered to him in his entire career and he says he has so much love for this character that he says he will do anything to make sure that this gets fast-tracked as quickly as possible now right now he is in negotiations according to variety to direct a brand new dungeons and dragons film for paramount pictures so uh that could be uh the next project for him before nightwing but he says he is definitely working on nightwing with early 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 pre-production in the background so he said uh don't worry he said that project is definitely not going anywhere all right, so let's get into one of the thick things here. Uh, Joss Whedon is no longer helming Batgirl, and that is not really a big surprise for any of us. Um, I think a lot of us saw this coming. It is a little bit of a disappointment because I know a lot of us really enjoy Whedon's work, uh, especially his ability to work with uh, you know female, strong female characters. But this does open the doors now for new female writers or female directors to come into this project, which I think is something that really could be a phenomenal thing. Uh, so much so that, that actually it sounds like there is a high chance, <coughs> excuse me, high chance that uh, there is already two major writers in Hollywood uh, vying for the role and the job to be the next writer on this. One of these being Roxanne Gay, uh, who has done some work with, uh, actual Marvel and actually penned the world of Wakanda comic book for Marvel. Uh, and it was really heavily praised for its uh, portrayal of uh, LGBT uh, characters as well in that. Um, she's also uh, in the New York times bestselling book, bad feminist and books like the untamed state and hunger. Um, so a uh, very prolific writer. And she actually said, Hey, DC comics, I can write your Batgirl movie is zero problem, which was actually followed up by a response from Michelle Wells, who is one of the big heads at DC Entertainment, like one of, I think, the top three dogs in in the house of DC. So uh, her response quickly, and this was again on Twitter, says, if you're serious, please contact me. And there was her email address listed below. Uh, so that's a big sign that if they see a, a talent like Roxanne Gay come out and say, I want to do this, uh, and DC is saying, you know what? 
we're going to open the doors and do this a different way. Uh, what was really interesting is the following day as well, Hope Larson came out uh, with the same same statement, says, yo, Hollywood, I also have Batgirl stories. So it uh, sounds like Michelle Wells um, may have contacted her as well. Nobody's entirely sure, but um, it sounds like Walter Hamada, who's running uh, you know, Warner Brothers and is the new chief, for DC, uh, basically said they are indeed looking for a female director to helm this project. Uh, and that's not a question. Uh, and this now adds to the final part of this story, which was after Hope Larson and Roxanne Gay stated things, um, Gail Simone, who is probably the best known writer of Batgirl since that character's existence in comics. She's written her, it feels like, I believe since the 90s, uh, all the way up until uh, Rebirth and some other things uh, happening. So she's been a very prolific writer for DC for such a long time. Somebody said, hey, did you see what Roxanne stated? And she's like, no. And they said, well, are you thinking about contacting her? And apparently they have contacted each other and they said they are willing to work on the project together, which would be amazing. Um, now, as far as Josh leaving the project, it sounds like a little bit more finally did come out about this this morning, uh, aka Sunday morning when we're recording this. And apparently the reason being for the the big departure was we was looking to adapt a story called The Million Dollar Debut of Batgirl, which was from Detective Comics Volume 1, uh, number 359. This is going back a long, long way. Um, but it, this was Batman and Robin um, trying to take down a, a villain named Killer Moth, and if you know who Killer Moth is, as I do, uh, it's probably not the best character to have as a big <laughs> bad, um, and that could be a good reason why uh, this is not the direction things are going. Uh, but it sounds like um, the direction Roxanne Gay and Gail Simone have been talking about a little bit, and there's a big discussion that more than likely this is going to be what we saw in the New 52 when Barbara was able to start walking again when we saw that Batgirl Burnside version of the character, and it was her dealing with the trauma of, you know, you know the survivor's trauma from what happened to her from the events of the Killing Joke. So I have a feeling that's where we're going to go, and we're going to see a very more interesting, grounded version of the character, but that's still light and interesting, but still has this problem. So, Killer uh, Moth, a, was King Tut not available? <laughs> uh, he was apparently <laughs> on vacation with Egghead. So. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So. Uh, um, but yeah. I was just going to say my my kind of my thoughts on this whole thing is yeah it's a bummer that Joss isn't going to be involved in this because I, you know I know we were really excited when we heard the announcement about this and I can kind of understand why and and putting the female director behind it what I don't want to see happen and I'm perfectly fine with it with Batgirl getting female writers and female directors um I don't what I don't want to see happen though is I don't want to see them get caught in this trap where every female superhero is directed by a female and written by a female and every male is written. I mean, I, I, again, I, I think it's great. Wonder Woman definitely broke the mold when it came to this and now this is going to continuing with it. But if we're going to continue along this path, I don't want them to feel pigeonholed into that, that every female superhero is going to have to be directed by a female and written by a female i think there are some male directors out there that could kill it with batgirl and just the same i would love to see a female director take the helm of a male-led superhero mm -hmm. so i just don't want to see this lead into like a pigeonhole situation where this is they feel like this is the pattern they're going to have to keep following yeah i, I do understand that and I, but i do think i for something like Batgirl, it, it's maybe this is the right move and a wise move because, again, it, it would be great to see a lot more female directors 
uh, involved in these big bombastic action films. Oh yeah, again, um, like I said, I don't have a problem with it with Batgirl. Oh, yeah. I and I completely mean, understand yeah. it. I just don't want to see this become a pattern in the future. Right. I just want to see the best writers and the best directors taking on any exactly. characters in the comic book world. Exactly. Uh, regardless. So I would I mean, actually. Pat- uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say. I mean, Patty Jenkins has already proved her worth when it comes to Wonder Woman. So keep putting her behind the, you know, at the helm of the Wonder Woman films. And whoever this director is that takes on Batgirl, if there's continuing Batgirl, you know, stories, um, you know, keep that director behind it if it's successful. But if it comes to say like a standalone Harley Quinn film, or you know, they end up doing Gotham City Sirens at some point again, uh, you know, that ends up being taken on i don't want to see them feel like they have to put a female behind the helm of those if there's somebody who could do it better yeah honestly i think if anything right now it seems like that wrong is starting to be righted i think the next move now that hollywood still needs to do and wake up to is start getting some of these comic book writers to be the ones doing these stories and scripts um i would love to see a harley quinn movie that is done by uh Amanda Conner and Palmiati. Uh, that would be amazing to see. I would love to see you know, just Jeff John say, hey, uh, here's the next Justice League script. I wrote it. Or, you know, somebody like Tom King or Brian Michael Bendis or whoever it may be out there in in the world of comics have their chance to have their fair share. Yeah, because their, who their knows dues. these who knows these characters better than them? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I think that's that's the next step uh, after. Um, we see some more female directors and writers in the mix. The next step is the comic comic writers themselves being a larger part of this process. So, yeah. all right. Um, so let's get into the next part of the DCEU and that specifically being Flashpoint. All right. So John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, uh, the writers of Spider-Man Homecoming and the recent uh directors on game night which is getting glowing reviews it really is <laughs> for a comedy and uh, i am very interested to see where this is gonna go uh but apparently they said they have yet to sign a contract for flashpoint uh they said they are 100 into negotiations deals are very much in the works uh and but nothing has been signed yet uh, signed yet but they said they will probably more than likely work this out soon my guess is they're waiting to see how the reaction is to game night to come up with what they think their salary is going to be. That's most likely what it's going to be is the response to game night. So, um, so I think we'll, we'll hear about that soon. What's interesting though, is we seem to have found out a little bit more about the villains in this piece. And I am just a bit concerned. There was actually even an article about this on, um, I believe IGN wrote it or it was on comic book movie, but it's, uh, killer moth. Uh, yeah, oh. no, not Killer Moth. Um, <laughs> but it was this was something kind of odd. So we've known for a little while that there's been discussions of Captain Cold uh, in the mix in this film somewhere, um, you know, as well as obviously Eobard because, well, it's Flashpoint. It's kind of important. Yeah. But it sounds like Eobard is not the big bad of this film, which is kind of weird. How do you not have Eobard as the central focus point opposite I, Barry in Flashpoint? I, I don't know what's happening here, but apparently the biggest rumors are currently that the characters involved that we know of so far is uh, we're going to be seeing Caitlin Snow, Captain Cold, and Heatwave as characters in this. Eobard will make an appearance somewhere in this. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. And uh, the big bad of the film, Dr. Light, uh, which is incredibly confusing. But the thing is that's kind of interesting is um, – Barry is actually investigating the death of Johnny Quick uh, at the start of this film. Um, That's what the current rumblings and rumors are for this. 
I have no idea what the hell they're doing. Um, absolutely no clue whatsoever. So this, I, I'm very interested to see what they, they could do here because Dr. Light was always kind of an oddball character until we got to Identity Crisis when he was not as much this bumbling idiot of a villain. So I'm very curious to see where this is all going to go. But this, I, I call me call my interest peaked, but at the same time, feeling a little concerned with some of the characters they're pulling right now that have been so prolific in the TV universe. Um, I think we need to be cautious <laughs> as we move forward on this one. But yeah, it's a big no, wait I'm, and see. I'm with you on that. All right. So the interesting thing that happened um, this week was that there's been some interesting things happening in the world of Aquaman and um, James Wan's film. Apparently, the majority of the film is 100% complete. Uh, there is still a fair amount of things needing to be done as far as effects work. But apparently, a screening did happen early last week. And a lot of people, apparently, are coming out of the woodworks with their reactions. And it's very interesting to see what those reactions have been so far. And everybody's been saying... This was the palate cleanser for DC 100%. Uh, they said there's no question whatsoever that this actually could rival Wonder Woman, and this definitely put Justice League to shame. Uh, this has come from numerous, and I mean numerous, sources that are part of the larger whole of Hollywood, uh, not people from within Warner Brothers, which is the interesting thing. So, again, take this with a grain of salt, but... I can say this from officially and plug your ears if you want to hear us. Give me 20 seconds. Uh, <laughs> they have confirmed 100% Aquaman does rock the traditional Aquaman costume in this film. Black Manta looks 100% accurate. Orm's relationship, uh, Orm is the villain, is the best, they said, one of the best comic book villains of all time on screen. And indeed, there are some major things with Nereus and Mera that have been flipped for this story. But I heard this is very much a swashbuckling adventure story, and Momoa kills it. So uh, I'm very interested, but we did find out that it sounds like we will be de definitely seeing a brand new trailer for the film, most likely during WonderCon, which takes place between March 23rd and March 25th. Um, this is one of the biggest shows that happens uh, comic book wise next to San Diego. So uh, everybody's expecting this is probably where we're going to see this come out. So I'm looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, uh, I, I, my interest is peaked. The last two films in the, the slate have been really solid. So um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if that momentum stays up. So. Big wait yeah. and see. Uh, there is a first look out there for the next uh, DC animated film, which is The Death of Superman. Um, now, a lot of people looking at that, it looks like this may not be The Death of Superman that people expect. Nobody really knows 100% to be sure if this is the classic Death of Superman story, which we did kind of see a early version done by, uh, you know, uh, I think it was the Paul, like, uh, Paul uh, sorry, it was Paul Dini, I think, that did that when the original DC animated films started coming out again uh, before we hit the New 52. But this could actually be the death of the New 52 Superman when we see the original one come back. Uh, so maybe this means that the uh, the New 52 animated line is going to start shifting towards Rebirth, which is a big possibility. So maybe that's what this is. Um, so I'm very curious to see, but there's not a lot of news yet about this. So it's a big wait and see. Uh, but if you want to check it out, it is definitely out there in the uh, the world of the internets. So, all right, over to TV. Uh, we have another casting announcement for Titans. Sh surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, again, another member of the Doom Patrol has been cast, uh, and that member being uh, Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man. 
so that will be played by uh, Jake Michaels from Designated Survivor. Uh, so it's just a big wait and see uh, when we will find out. But it sounds like the character will be introduced in the fifth episode of Titans, which is titled Doom Patrol. So that's when all those characters are coming into play. So more than likely, they're uh, well underway in production if they're already doing stuff for casting for episode five. So um, so right now we know the Chief and Elastigirl um, have been cast. Uh, so like I said, now with Robot Man in the mix, that really just leaves Negative Man left to go. Uh, obviously, they're going to probably tie Beast Boy into the Doom Patrol like his original comic book origins. So it's just a wait and see on how that plays out. My guess, maybe we could see something at WonderCon as well. If, but if not, San Diego Comic-Con for our first uh, first visual look at the Titans a little bit more in full. I uh, want to see trailer. I know. All right. <laughs> uh, let's jump over to The Flash because there's not a lot of news for any other show currently, uh, aside from what we mentioned earlier about seeing Jesse Quick on Legends. But there was a photo posted a little while ago about Iris West suited up as a hero. We now know why. Uh, it sounds like because of a bus meta who has the ability to swap people's DNA. Uh, and what had indeed happened was Barry and Iris's DNA were swapped during that fight with the villain, a.k.a. Uh, that's named... Uh, they just have his name listed as Matthew, but the name for the character is Melting Pot. Um, and I almost wanted to say Melting Pat because of the fine show. On <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I have a feeling this cool will lead to many, many amusing moments. And most likely my guess right now is another visit with a therapist as the relationship dynamic will definitely be changed for an episode. So, uh, I, it sounds like this could be a very fun throwaway episode. So. All right, let's head into our final thing for the week, and it's a show that we're not quite sure what the fate of will be for us, but on March 21st, when Krypton comes out, we do finally have our very first look at Brainiac and Brainiac's skull ship, and all I can say is, wow. Um, I mean, they just knocked this out of the park. He looks just dead on accurate from what I expect from him, from the comics, from visual versions we've seen in Injustice. I, I'm getting so incredibly excited for the show, and I never thought I, that would happen. But uh, there is a video out there right now that is uh, called the Brainiac Reveal Trailer, uh, where we do indeed see Jeff Johns um, kind of talking a little bit more about the process of bringing this character into play and into life, uh, along with David Goyer in the, uh, the beginning of this video as well, who is one of the executive producers on the show. But man, uh, that skull ship looks flawlessly perfect, and Brainiac looks just what it was what I would want to see in a big scale you know version of a film for this character. So uh, I, I'm I'm fully on board. Krypton kicks off March 21st, and that closes out the news for us this week. All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to bring to. I, I was very skeptical when they first announced it, but now um, now my skepticism has moved to Metropolis, and I'm okay with Krypton. So, because uh, I still don't know what the hell they're going to do with Metropolis. How do you, I mean, how do you do a Metropolis without Superman? I, I yeah. don't. I don't get that at all. But we'll we'll see. I mean, Krypton is certainly changing my mind, and I was skeptical about that. So we shall ah, see. Yeah, indeed. Um, all right. Any recommendations for this week? Um, the only one I'm going to do um, is uh, after rewatching it and mentioning it at the top of the episode about how underrated it is. Uh, my recommendation, if you haven't done it already or haven't done it any time recently, uh, go back and rewatch Constantine with Keanu Reeves. It's, again... Very underrated, and with uh, John Constantine being a part of the DCEU again, at least temporarily for one or two episodes, uh, now's a good time to go back and refresh yourself on the film. So my recommendation, go back and rewatch Constantine. 
Um, for me, it's exactly what I brought up earlier on, and that is definitely to start watching Teen Titans Go, uh, especially ahead of Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which comes out uh, July 27th. So um, this is a good way to get yourself involved and invested into a very amusing series, uh, which I have a feeling will be an absolutely bizarre and ridiculous movie that I am just so excited to see, especially considering what the cast in the film is going to be, uh, because we know uh, Kristen Bell, Will Arnett, uh, you know, Tara Strong, all these people coming in that are going to be part of this. I, I'm just I'm, I'm so in. Absolutely. So in. So, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm uh, I, it, it seems like something I'm going to really enjoy, too. So that's going to be uh, something I might have to get into sometime soon as well. Yeah, I, I mean, especially with everybody, you know, with Will Arnett in the mix, I wouldn't be surprised if he's coming back in to play Batman. So that would be great. Uh, and obviously you have the original listings of people, you know, Greg Sipes, Scott Menville, Carl Payton, Hayden Walsh and Tara Strong all returning from the uh, the TV show as, uh, you know, Cyborg, Raven, Beast Boy and Starfire and uh, and Robin you know, respectfully. So I, you know what, just go back, watch episode one. If you haven't watched it, uh, which has a beautiful, beautiful episode, which is just Raiden, like Raven wanting some alone time to watch their version of my little pony, which is called pretty, pretty Pegasus and sends people on a mission. So she has the house to herself to not be embarrassed about the show. She's watching, uh, which is just incredibly hysterical, specifically considering that Tara strong, who voices Raven? Also, I think voices. I think it's Twilight Sparkle on uh, My Little Pony. So, <laughs> so okay. Uh, so a nice little voice actor tie-in on that, which kind of makes the situation funnier if you know the world of voice actors. So, I I will say that one of my favorite shows, this being Sunday, so by the time you hear this, the show will have already aired. But one of my favorite shows returns to television tonight, and I know everybody is thinking it's The Walking Dead, and you would be wrong. It's Ash uh, versus the Evil Dead. It, it is Ash versus the Evil Dead. I cannot freaking wait. I read a review on somebody who got to see the first half of season three, and they said that season three is the most Evil Dead of anything Evil Dead they have ever seen. And I heard something that people have been wanting and waiting for will happen by the end of season three. Uh, my hope is that's the final tie to Army of Darkness, which they weren't able to do because of licensing issues. Um, so... Uh, very curious to see how that will play out and pan out. But uh, we did hear that apparently Lee Majors will be back as a ghost for a yep. large majority of the season <laughs> and has even more screen time than he did in season two when he was alive. Uh, I am so ready for this. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I know I, I've become friends with Dana DiLorenzo, who is an actress on the movie, uh, and I've spoken to her a couple times via Twitter. We've gone back and forth. And, uh, you know, it was a struggle to get season three airing. Uh, you know, they had already filmed it, but they didn't have a date for it. And then it finally got picked up and they finally got a date. So they, there are concerns for a season four, but they've already said that the story is planned out until the end of season four. So I really hope this this season is so good and they get that fourth season. Well, I think a big part of it is now too, seasons one and two are actually fully streaming on Netflix and I'm sure viewership numbers there will help make sure that season four happens. So Yeah, so I'm adding that to my recommendation. If you, it, It's not DC related, but if you've ever seen any of the Evil Dead films uh, or you're a fan of Bruce Campbell and you have the opportunity, watch seasons one and two of Ash vs. Evil Dead. It's very easy to get through. They're only half-hour episodes, and there's only ten a season. Uh, um, I actually just got caught up a couple days ago because I completely forgot I never finished season two. 
And man, so I got to watch the last four episodes. And when they got back to the cabin, yes. and we saw Henrietta, <laughs> and and we saw Ted Raimi back dressed up as Henrietta. I was so excited and yep. so happy because man, they did such a great job. And just knowing that it was Ted again doing that made that so much better. So. Yeah, so I'm very excited for that to return as well. But uh, cheap plugs, uh, you can find me on the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, getting ready to launch into another season of that show. Uh, you can follow us on uh, on on the web and on Facebook, NextLevelRadioOnline.com, Facebook.com slash NextLevelRadioOnline, and of course the Facebook page for this uh, podcast, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, just a reminder, we will be sending out – Kevin, if you are listening, we will be sending out your prize. We did get in contact with you just a couple days ago. Uh, so we have your address and your hoodie will be shipping out very, very soon. So hopefully you'll get that shortly. Uh, big special thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music. Make sure you check out the tunes that he helps provide to this show and all the other projects he's working on. And as for me, you can always find me at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, we're in uh, – early planning stages now for the musical episode because we're trying to get a couple additional people that have not appeared on the show to help us out with this episode uh if we can't plot this out i do have a backup planned and scheduled uh or not scheduled yet but a backup planned and uh that means we'll be probably recording this uh probably not this week because of my pt schedule but probably very the first week of march hopefully so cool uh, next week, uh, here on this uh, particular podcast, we will see the return of The Flash and Arrow. Black Lightning still on break for another week, so we will have three shows to talk about. The return of The Flash, the return of Arrow, and of course, Legends of Tomorrow, which hopefully is still going just as strong next week as they have been for the past two, especially with the Pirate episode. I mean, that's going to be... I, I'm, that's going to be amazing. Absolutely. <clears throat> So, uh, but as always, thank you so much for being a part of the community. Thank you for posting, commenting, subscribing, everything that you guys do. Uh, feel free to share. Actually, we encourage you to do so. Uh, but until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.